And uh, this came about uh, about three weeks ago, right? About three weeks ago or so? Three or four? Two? I don't know. It wasn't that long ago. Maybe even two weeks ago I was talking to Chris. And uh, as you know, Chris has been working uh, really hard at, at Mediba all summer. And um, he's got a week to go. And then he's back with you guys, which is wonderful. Um, but he was, I, was, I was talking to him. He was saying, oh, and by the way, I... I I'm, I'm, I'm preaching um, the end of August today. And uh, he said, but I'm so busy. And Mediba keeps you real busy, you know? It really does. Uh, he says, I'm really busy. I'll do it because I love to preach and, 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 and I'll do it. But, you know, I, I don't know why I'm going to find the time to, to, to put a sermon together. And I just, in talking to him, I just said, well, you know, you, you could ask me. And he said, he immediately texted Paul. And a few minutes later, he gets back, and, or a little bit later, he gets back and says, you're good to go. <laughs> and so I want to also, I guess Paul's not here this morning, and I, I want to thank Paul as well for the opportunity to be here. And, and, and Chris reminded, I, I'll just say Chris reminded me yesterday when I was talking to him about, you know, getting here on time, and, and, and uh, I was here on time, Chris. Um, getting here on time, he reminded me, I said, so, uh, you know, Paul, he said that, uh, I guess Paul had, your, your pastor had one question about, about myself, because he had, obviously, he, I've shaken his hand a couple of times, and that's about it. He was at uh, Chris and Melissa's wedding, and he said, I guess he said, uh, he said, so it, his doctrine is sound, right? That's, a, by the way, a very good pastor. He's protecting the pulpit. He's protecting the doctrine of your church. That is two thumbs up. And I love Chris's response. He said, well, he taught me everything I know, so if I'm good, he's good. And uh, so I, I want you at the end of the, at the, end of the sermon, uh, at the end of the time together today, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I have taught a lot of what Chris knows, and I know Chris is, 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 is really good here, right? He's awesome, and he's so welcomed here. So, you know... Um, you can compare us at the end of the sermon a little bit. <laughs> and uh, whether you have them back behind the pulpit again might be dependent on, on what you hear here this morning. But uh, no, that's not true. But, uh, you know, Chris has done a, gone through a lot of things over the last several months. He new job here starting in January, new house, new wife. And uh, it's just been, it's been awesome to just be a part of that and uh, been awesome to hear the stories of how he's felt so welcomed so connected, uh, and that fact that Halliburton, you know, in a lot of ways, Halliburton is more home to him than, uh, than the home that than Lindsay was, and, uh, and it's so awesome, so it's great. So anyways, I also know that you've been going through the parables this summer, and, and I asked, uh, the other thing I asked is, is I, it was impressed on me that I wanted to move off the parables this morning, and, and your pastor uh, gave me permission to do that. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 4, whether you have, have it on your phone or your tablet or pulpit uh, the, behind the seats. John chapter 4, a very, 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 for those who have been in church for any, any length of time, even just a very short time, it's not too long before you come across this amazing story um, of, 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 of an encounter, what I call an encounter 
with Jesus. It's the story of the Samaritan woman. Again, and if you've been in church for any length of time, whether it's through Sunday school or through, or through a Bible study or, or through sermons you hear, it, it's a story that, that we know really well. And again, if I was to poll you and I was to ask you people here about the story, I, I bet you there's, there's a dozen people that could stand up here right now without a whole lot of preparation and preach a sermon on the Samaritan woman. It's that popular of a story. And I'm not going to be... Uh, I, I'm going to, as I draw this story out, it, 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 it draws it out fairly simple. And I think that's one of the awesomenesses about the story is that it's not, it's not complicated. It's very simple encounter with Jesus. But as I draw it out this morning, I want us to... To, to see it from the perspective of the Samaritan woman. There's many, many sermons, I said, on this topic, on, on this passage of Scripture, and you could use, you know, it could be a, a sermon on evangelism, it could be a sermon on, on, on so many different things that it could be done, but this morning I just want to take a few minutes and, and walk us through what it would have been like to meet Jesus for the first time as a Samaritan woman. And I think that's re- going to be refreshing for us. Because especially if you've been in church for any length of time, uh, I'm going to suggest, strongly suggest, that our encounters with Jesus from time to time can get a little stale. Can we admit that? I grew up in church. I know church. I know Jesus. I know the Gospels. I know the Old Testament. I just finished reading Leviticus. I'm good. It's true, actually. Just, it's tough sledding, but I just finished reading Leviticus. If you can get through Leviticus, you are, you're rock solid. And I've been there, and many of us here in the church have been there, but along the way, we get our encounter, our experiences with Jesus become stale. So what I want us to experience this morning is, is try to put us, put you in the experience of meeting Jesus for the very first time. For some of you here today, that may be very true. You could have been coming to church here, or you could be a visitor, a guest here, a family member here today, and, and, and you have yet to encounter Jesus. So for you who are listening to this, perhaps today is the day as we walk through this amazing story that you will, and my prayer is that you will, encounter Jesus for the very first time. Let's begin right at verse 1. John 4, verse 1. It says, The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but His disciples. When the Lord, when the Lord learned of this, He left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And the story begins really in verse 4 where it begins where it says, now he had to go through Samaria. And we're going to stop right there, pause right there. Understanding a little bit, this is where it begins. And, and the phrase, he had to go through Samaria, you read that and, and, and we've read that many a time and you just, well, it makes sense because, you know, when you're going from Judea to, to the, to the north, north in Israel, in between is this little province called Samaria. And it makes sense. If you're going from the south to the north, if, 
you know, or you're going north to south, you've got to go, if you're going through Toronto, you've got to go through on the 401 or the 407. There's only one way through. It's hard to go around. And the same is true here. He had to go through Samaria. So as you read it for the first time, you think it, it makes sense. He's going from Judea up to the north, to the north province in the middle of Samaria. So he's going to walk through Samaria. The reality is, however, is that if you were, and Jesus was, and so were his disciples, good Jewish rabbis and teachers, Jesus is a rabbi, the truth would be known that you would in all, all effort find your way going the long way around and not touch one toe into the province of Samaria. There's a saying that... Uh, the Jews of the day would say, uh, would say, and it would, it simply with this, rabbis would say this, better to walk in a ditch than to have my shadow touch a shadow of a Samaritan. So this story begins right off the bat with the fact that Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. John writes he had to go through Samaria. And the reality is, in all aspects, in all other ways, he shouldn't have been there. He should not have been there. And so we begin by recognizing that, first of all, this woman that he's about to encounter is, first of all, a Samaritan. And a Samaritan, again, the reason why the, the Jewish people of the day would, would avoid Samaria at all times, and, and if this is politically incorrect, this is the way they would describe him. They're, they were half-breeds. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were intermarried. They were the leftover. If you remember again back in your, in your Bible study times and your understanding of, of the Bible that the, the, the Jewish people were exiled to Babylon, but there was always those that were left behind over, over in Israel. And those people that were left behind over the years began to intermarry, began to be less than pure Jewish people. So after the centuries and after the Jewish people re- began to return back to, back to the homeland, as they began to return, this, they, they began to create this province of Samaria because all of a sudden the pure Jews were coming back and they needed to find a place for these half-breeds, these people that were less than Jewish. And so they created this province of Samaria and said, stay put. They even had a whole separate religion, which we'll find out in a few minutes. They were considered not just less than half-breeds. They were nothing. Another prayer that the Pharisees would often pray, Thank you, Lord, that I am not a dog. Thank you, Lord, that I am not a Gentile. And thank you, Lord, that I am not a Samaritan. And in that order, putting dog above Gentile, above a Samaritan. And here we have at the very beginning Jesus coming along having to go through Samaria. So the first thing I want you to recognize of this story is the fact that this woman was a Samaritan. But secondly, as we go along here, the second thing we want to point out is not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a Samaritan woman. Now again, in today's world, how does that, 
how does that translate? It doesn't. It, 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 it translates in the fact that we have done. We've worked so hard in this generation and the generation past, and hopefully the generation to come to bring that gender equality that men and women are equal. That that we are we are created in the image of God, both men and women, and we've worked very hard in that over you know in, in North America over the last several generations. But back in the days of Jesus. If I were to continue the prayer a little bit more of the Pharisee that I just finished saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm not a dog. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not a Gentile. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not a Samaritan. The last sentence they would say, and thank you, Lord. And they would shout this in the streets. And thank you, Lord, that I am not a woman. Lower than a Samaritan. As we carry on in the story... So he came to a town in verse 5 in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Jacob, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And we'll pause there. So here he is in Samaria where he shouldn't be. A good rabbi would never be there. And now he's encountering this Samaritan woman. I can just imagine right off the bat this woman who's coming out to draw water that Jesus engages her. And don't skip this. Jesus engaged a Samaritan woman. He shouldn't even have been there. You don't even talk to women. And yet Jesus engaged the woman. Can you imagine the shock on the woman's face? Jesus would have been recognized by his by what he was wearing as a rabbi. Jesus would have been known, and we catch that later as well, that he was recognized as a rabbi. She recognized him as a Jewish leader, and she would have been taken back. You are engaging me? But I'm a woman. Not only a woman, you shouldn't even be here, because this is Samaria. And yet Jesus engaged him, engaged her. Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to her, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up in eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And we'll stop there. Not only was this person a Samaritan, not only was she a Samaritan woman, but she was a sinful Samaritan woman. 
Jesus says, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. I want to suggest here that within the nation of Israel, the provinces of Judea, Israel, and Samaria, there wouldn't be too many women, too many people, too many individuals in all of the land at that time that would have been much lower in the caste, in the understanding, in, the, in, in, in society than this woman. One of the things that recognizes this is earlier on we read that it was the sixth hour. In the Jewish calendar, in a Jewish day, the sixth hour. Anybody know what the sixth hour is in the Jewish, in a Jewish, Jewish day? It's not six in the morning, it is noon. I want you to draw this picture with me. It's noon. It's been a hot summer, has it not? At least down in Bowmanville where I live, it's been a very hot summer. Our air conditioning kicked out this week and it got 29 degrees inside the house throughout the week it was it's been a very hot summer and it's hottest as i found out with the hot air conditioning about 12 31 o'clock till about four o'clock it's the hottest of the day and here's this woman coming out at noon and if today in israel the temperature or yesterday in israel the temperature at noon was 42 degrees celsius And this woman's coming out in 42 degrees Celsius weather. When all the other women earlier in the day would have got up at the first hour, which is 6 in the morning, when it would have been in the low 20s. And they would have got their clay pots and they would have put it on their head and they would have cut all out out of their homes and they would have gone together as a group and would have had a great social event as they walked to Jacob's well and filled up filled up the water for the day's work and, and for, for their families, came back, made coffee, and had, a great, and had a great day. But here's this sinful Samaritan woman who had to wait, who needed to wait, who wanted to wait, who could not associate with the women going to the well to draw water for their families for the day, but had to wait to the very heat of the day at high noon to go out, and I could just see her opening the door of her home, looking at the street, recognizing that at that time of day, most people are inside trying to stay cool. And she would get her pot and say, okay, I can go now. There's nobody in the street. I can go to the well. And I better hurry because I, I can't meet anybody. Because if, 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 I, if, if, if I meet anybody, they're, they're probably going to they're, they're, they're bully me. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna point fingers at me. They're going to they're gonna talk about me. And, and, and I'm just so ashamed. I'm just so, so ashamed. I'm just so, I, I just got to hurry to the well, get the water, and help my family. And so I could just see her scurrying to the well as fast as she can. And at the well that day, was our Lord. Will you give me some water? Get the picture. Starting to get the picture of the reality that Jesus is in the business of wanting to encounter us. No matter 
where you come from. No matter who you are. He loves you exactly as you are. Right now. He loves you exactly as you were. For those that have come into faith in Christ, some of your stories, I'm sure if we took time, maybe it's very similar. Maybe you could say, this, this relates. He loves you exactly as you are. Even as a sinful Samaritan woman. The lowest of the low. I'm reminded of His love for the criminal. While He's on the cross, His love for both criminals, actually. But the criminal that responded and says, Remember me when you go, when you, when you see your father. And Jesus responds, Today you will be with me in paradise. That was a criminal who deserved to be on the cross. Again, another low of the low person. And just even as Jesus was about to die for our sins, he still loved that person exactly as he was. And he welcomed him into the kingdom that day. That's the kind of Savior we have. And that's what I want us to understand here today as we look at this encounter maybe fresh. But what's important here is is in Jesus' words here where it says, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said, just said is quite true. That He loves you exactly as you are. Here He is sitting at the well knowing that this, this Samaritan woman, the low of the low, is going to be coming to draw water. But He loves us so too so much that He doesn't leave us exactly as we are. Jesus could have just grabbed the water. He could have talked about the living water. He could have talked about His, you know, what He talked about, but He went right to the heart of the matter with the Samaritan woman. And He pointed a finger, but He pointed a finger in love. And He said, you've had five husbands and the man you're now living with is not your but I still love you. And I love you so much that I want you to change. Sir, the woman said, verse 19, I can see that you are a prophet. Of course, can you imagine coming out of of her house, opening the door, seeing that there's nobody around, scurrying to the well, drawing water from the well, seeing this rabbi who shouldn't be there in the first place, give me some water. Okay, Great, okay, I'll draw you some water, which was the hospitable thing to do. And then, you shouldn't be talking to me. You're, you're a rabbi. Well, it's okay, because I'm going to give you living water. Well, I want to know more about this living water. Well, in order for you to understand more of this living water, let me first of all explain who you, you know, where you're coming from. You've had five husbands, and the person you're now living with is not your husband. Well, of course this woman would go, I could see you are a prophet. Whoa, can you imagine that experience? All in a matter of about 15 minutes. Drawing out your deepest sin. Drawing out your deepest secret. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. 
Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God, His Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. She was a Samaritan. She was a Samaritan woman. She was a sinful Samaritan woman. But she also was a seeking, sinful Samaritan woman. Are we seeking the things of Christ? Even in our sin, even in our shame, are we seeking the name of Jesus? Of course she was seeking. No one loved her. She had to hide from everybody. And this man, this rabbi, talked with her. A seeking, sinful, Samaritan woman. In verse 26, Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am He. He actually says, I am. Which is Yahweh. And at that point, as Jesus declared, I am to this seeking, sinful Samaritan woman. Praise God, she became a saved woman. Now, I want to point out right here that how did she become saved? Well, see, she became saved, and we'll point this out in a minute, but she didn't become saved because somebody opened up the, 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 the booklet, the four spiritual laws, and went through law number one, law number two, law number three, law number four, say this prayer and you're saved. That's, that's good. And I've done that for people. They, she didn't follow the ABCs, accept, believe, confess, do that and, and, and be saved. Again, good. It wasn't... 14 verses of just as I am, come forward, come to the altar and say this prayer and you're saved. It was simply an acknowledgement of an encounter with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved her exactly as she was and loved her so much That he needed, that he loved her enough to not keep her exactly as she was. And when he declared, I who speak to you am he. We'll skip verse 27 and verse 28 says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come. See a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. That's the sign of a saved person. That's the sign of an encounter with Jesus. She left her water jar. She left everything she had. At that point, she didn't care 
if the streets were empty. In fact, she wanted the streets to be full. She was no longer. And what's interesting in the Gospel of John, in the first several verses, whenever whenever John is describing this woman, he says, Samaritan woman. But from verse 27 on, whenever he describes this woman, he no longer says Samaritan woman. It's just simply woman. She's no longer Samaritan. She's no longer a sinful Samaritan woman. She's no longer a seeking sinful Samaritan woman. She's simply a woman who's had an encounter with Jesus, who understands the love of Jesus, doesn't have, doesn't have deep theology. She just met Him. She hasn't gone through 14 weeks of, 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 of baptism classes and understood all the ways, all the ways and gone to Bible college and theology. She simply met Jesus saw the love of Jesus, left her water jar and went into the city and said, could it be? I think I've met Him. I think I know the Messiah. She became a witnessing woman. A witnessing person because she had an encounter with Jesus. A fresh encounter with Jesus. Her story was so basic. She didn't know theology. She just basic, had a basic story. I don't know where you're coming from. But I want to encourage you, those that have had a relationship with Jesus for a short time or a long time, you do not need to know it all to be a witness for Jesus. Just share your story. Just share your story. Let me first of all say, do you have a story? It doesn't have to be as dramatic as the Samaritan woman. I'm five years old when I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. I I grew up in the church. I got called to ministry when I'm 19 years old. I married the love of my life who's been a Christian most, most of her life. We have three amazing children who all are serving the Lord and have married. Well, two of them have married and one still to come. And I completely believe that he's going to marry somebody who serves the Lord as well. Right, Caleb? No pressure. It's a basic story. for. It's a simple growing up in a Christian home, but it's still a story. It's still a story that I could share. And in fact, my story is probably very similar to a lot of your stories. And you say, well, it's not dramatic enough. It's not, I wasn't in prison for 10 years. Or, you know, and, and all these amazing testimonies that you hear that are often behind the pulpit. And you go, whoa, that sells. <laughs> and it does. But if you have a fresh encounter with Jesus, your story sells too. Your story sells too. Does your neighbor know your story? Does Minden know your story? Some of you are probably from Minden. Does your family know your story? Do your co-workers know your story? Do you know your story?
But it does, this story doesn't end right there. And I love this. A little known verse as we carry on through this story. Down to verse 39. Jesus gets, by the way, Jesus gets invited because of the witnessing of the, of the woman. Jesus gets invited to the town and he stays there a few days. And many Samaritans believe because of a simple story of this woman who encountered Jesus. And then in verse 39 it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And then this verse that is, you just skip right over it. By the way, sometimes in Scripture, the buts, the ands, Remember the verse earlier on in verse 4, he had to go through Samaria? You just read that like it doesn't really, how does that relate? And yet it's absolutely foundational to the whole story. This is the last one of this story. Verse 42 in the NIV, it says, They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. But that word, that phrase, they said to the woman. Remember how it started? High noon, opening her door, hoping no one sees her, rushing rushing to the well, getting the water for the day, hoping no one sees her because she's going to get bullied. She's going to get shamed. She might even get a rock or two thrown at her because, you know, that's what you do. And two days later, as the whole town encountered Jesus, they said to her, she no longer was a saved woman, just a saved woman. She no longer was just a witnessing woman. But here's the beauty of this whole story as we wrap it up. She was a restored woman because of her encounter with Jesus Christ. He loves you exactly as you are. And He loves you too much to leave you that way. This woman experienced that. And she was changed. And the whole town was changed. And they accepted her. because of her encounter and relationship with Jesus. So I leave you with a couple of questions. For those that perhaps are feeling like you're the Samaritan woman, Jesus is already at the well. He's at your well. He's there on purpose. It's a divine encounter. It's a divine appointment. He is getting your attention. That's what He does. Will you choose Him? 
Will you choose Him? No matter who you are or what you're experiencing, He's sitting at your well. Will you choose Him? And for those of us and for probably most of us here who have that relationship with Christ, let me ask you, how fresh is your story? Can you leave here today and walk to your neighbors or walk to your family or, you know, or go out for a restaurant and, and have a conversation with, 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 the, with the server? And say, can I tell you the story? Of my, can, you tell, can I tell you my story? Do you have a fresh enough encounter with Jesus that your story is fresh? That your story can speak to those around you? So will you choose Jesus? And will you share the story of Jesus? Again, I want to end by encouraging you again. I look and I expect amazing things from this church. I'm looking forward to coming back and to sit and to, you know, just be a part of this extended family as every time I come to visit Chris and Melissa and to be a part of that and to see what God is doing already has done and what He is going to do in great droves for this community and for this congregation. And I want to encourage you in that. Because what I see is I do see a lot of fresh stories of encounter with Jesus. And I pray that that continues. God bless you.